Hey, thanks for listening. Make sure you're subscribed to our podcast to check out the latest message each week. We're also going to be adding so much more content to our podcast soon, so subscribe and share with a friend. This week, we're in the middle of our summer series called Church Words. Annie Bullard shares this week's message. Let's dive in. Oh, Polson family, Pastor Jeremiah, Tara, JJ, Selah, and Mariah. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real, real fun. Uh, We love you guys so much, and we're going to see you around. We're going to see you around. Oh, word of life. It's so good to be here with you today, and I want to, yeah, let's say a big round round of applause. Okay. Woo! Uh, So whether you're here in this space and it's a regular, comfortable place for you, either here or online, uh, or whether you're joining us for the very first time today, I just want to say that we have a lot more in common that we don't. Uh, There's a place here for you. We're excited that you're here. We're thankful that you're here. My name is Annie Bullard, and I am the receptionist here at Word of Life. I have been for a bit. If you call in and you hear, thank you for calling Word of Life. This is Annie. That would be me. Uh, also, uh, I am the director of 991. You guys heard about us last week. We were your uh, highlighted ministry or your mission for June. Uh, we go into strip clubs and we expose God's love to the sex workers in central New York. And we are stoked about what God has allowed us to do. And you guys are so generous. And, and I'm so thankful for the encouragement that's poured in, uh, your prayers and your financial support. I'm so, so grateful for each and every one of you. So we're right here, right now, in the middle of a series called Church Words, and I was so excited when I first heard about it. Pastor Tom and I were having coffee in the uh, lobby out there, and Pastor Tom said to me, Annie B, we're going to be doing a series on church words. And I was like, all right, that sounds great. What do you mean? And so he said, we're going to unpack. I I can only do that so long. It's going to go south real quick. Um, He said, we're going to unpack the words that we might hear uh, typically in or around church. You might associate with church. And I was stoked because sometimes as Christians, we can sound like weirdos outside of these four walls. And so I said, okay, so what's my word? And he said, it's sin. And I was like, I mean, to his face, I was like, all right. But inside I was like, why do you hate me? Sin? My God. Uh, But um, then I realized it was Pastor Jeremiah's last weekend and it made complete and total sense. So uh, moving right along. I want to share with you some resources that, I'll, uh, that I've been inspired by as preparing, um, giving, giving honor where it's due. A uh, couple books, Jesus Is by Judah Smith and Everybody Always by Bob Goff, two really great books uh, you might want to pick up. Also Bible Dictionary, uh, Bible Gateway, Bible Commentaries. Uh, I'm so grateful for those who have gone before me in my study that have impacted me. So I'm grateful for that. I'm not a theologian by any means, but the theology that I do think I excel in is the theology of love. And if I can unpack truth today that's laced in love, to me, that's a win. So uh, this is what our message today is going to look like. Uh, If you're anything like me, you kind of like to know where you're going. Uh, A topical message can be interesting to put together. So we're going to kind of hit three points. We're going to look at what is sin? What do I do personally about my sin? And then how do I love other sinners like Jesus does? And my hope today is that whether you're just on the cusp of kind of figuring out if this Jesus thing is for you, or whether you've walked with him for a very, very long time, I pray that you would be able to tune in and take in what I'll be sharing today. Now, I want to lay out a disclaimer. 
I am not by any means condoning sinful behavior, and I'm certainly not making light of sin in my message today. If that comes across, that is not my intention. I just have to say that loud and proud. Uh, So before we go any further, let's pray. Father, I wanna thank you for this incredible privilege for this sinner, this sinner right here, to bring the word today. God, I thank you for the privilege of being being able to unpack this word. I pray that each and every person within the sound of my voice would uh, make themselves available today to either remember the incredible thing that you've done for them personally or be inspired and challenged to take new steps in you. We trust you for the ways you are going to move this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right. Yes. Well, you know, as Pastor Tom says, if one of us are going to clap, we all have to clap. So, hey. <laughs> all right. So, I, uh, I, what is sin? I asked some of the ladies in the club, uh, got in touch with them and said, hey, how would you define sin? I had some really interesting conversations. Uh, but one of the girls said, hmm, I guess sin would be going against the commandments. And then another friend, she said, well, you know, a lot of folks walk around placing judgment as if they don't sin. But in reality, judgment is a sin. We're supposed to love each other, not rip each other apart and kick each other when we're down. Jesus wasn't that way. He loved sinners and he accepted them. Girl, yeah. And then another girl says, "Mm, I guess sin is things you're not supposed to do that God wouldn't approve of. But even though people do those kind of things like me, I still like to think I'm a good person regardless of the life choices that I make. Doing things that would be considered a sin shouldn't overall judge me as a person. And then she wrapped up with something interesting. She said, it does make me nervous, though, as time goes on for when that day comes. I wonder what Google would have to say if I asked for a list of sins. And I came across somebody that actually listed 723 sins. I felt like I should pray for them because I got like 10 down. I felt guilty and condemned. I was like, my God, 723? Imagine how long that person had to dig and like scour around. See, oh, that was a sin. <laughs> um, but let's go to the Bible and see what the word of God has to say. The ultimate authority has to say about sin and its consequences. Now, in John 8, uh, we see a scenario where Jesus tells a sinful woman who is caught in the act of adultery, right in the act of adultery, to go and sin no more. Now, that word sin in the Greek is a word that's pronounced hamartano, kind of fun for an evil word. And it means to miss the mark or to err morally. So how do we miss the mark? What does that mean? Well, some of the grievous sins outside of the 723 are spelled out for us in Galatians. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is encouraging us to live by God's spirit. He points out that we have two forces that are constantly at battle within us. And I want you to read along with me today. It's found in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. But when you follow your own wrong inclinations, your lives lives will produce evil results, impure thoughts, eagerness for sinful pleasure, idolatry, spiritism, that is the encouraging of the activity of demons, hatred and fighting, jealousy and anger, constant effort to get the best for yourself, complaints and criticisms, the feeling that everyone else is wrong except for those in your own little group, there'll be wrong doctrine, envy, murder, drunkenness, wild parties, and all that sort of thing. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not enter the kingdom of God. And then if you couldn't relate with any of those because you're living such a holy and pure life, James 4, 17 says, if anyone then knows the good that they ought to do and don't do it, it is sin for them. We are all 
sinners. God's word tells us that in Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. We all miss the mark. None of us are exempt from sin. Yeah, yeah, we're in this together, people. (laughs) We all miss the mark. None of us are exempt from sinful thoughts, sinful passions, sinful actions, and sinful behavior. But why does it matter? Like, who cares? Well, the first portion of Romans 6.23 declares that the wages or the cost of sin is death. And what that means is a death in our relationship with God, a holy God. It causes a separation from him. When we know the good that we ought to do and we don't do it, that is sin. And it is death in a relationship with a holy God. The holiness of God and sin cannot mix. Now, holiness defined by Pastor Tom just a few weeks ago, he said, God's unique perfection, which is both separate and creates separation from what is common or what is evil. Isaiah 59.2 states, but your iniquities or your sins have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Now, if you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, that is a devastating statement. It's so ouchy. The consequences of our sin is separation, and the death of a relationship changes our attitude. We see this way, way in the beginning of the Word of God, way in the Old Testament with Adam and Eve. They disobeyed, they walked a different way, they did what they ought not to do, and all of a sudden there was fear and shame and a turning away from a relationship with their God. And I wonder if that sounds familiar. I know it certainly does for me. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? (laughs) So here's the thing. Our sin does separate us from a holy God. And there's a penalty that has to be made for our sins. Now, in the Old Testament, there had to be a sacrifice to atone for or make amends for our sins. In the New Testament, we see that Jesus paid the ultimate price, the ultimate sacrifice that was needed to justify or make right our sin. And here is the good news. This is why you came to church this morning, you sinner. And that's why this sinner put this message together, that sin has been conquered. That is good news. That is good news for each and every one of us, all of us sinners. As mentioned in the first part of Romans 6.23, it states that the wages of sin is death. But here there's promise in the second part. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now despite sin's somberness, the Bible doesn't ever lose hope and optimism when dealing with sin. And that right there is why I'm so stoked to be able to share on this word, sin, this morning. That God has a remedy for our brokenness and our severed relationship. And here's the thing, it's not about us in and of ourselves becoming a better version of who we're supposed to be based on our best behavior. You know, I had a, one of my, the, relation, the conversations I had with one of the ladies from the clubs She said that she began a relationship with God and she started to read the word of God, but she said, I'll never be able to measure up. And it broke my heart because it's not about our better behavior. That's not the antidote. The antidote is Jesus and a relationship with him is beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, yeah, the the antidote is Jesus. Sin with its death and its separation has been overcome by Jesus Christ. That's what sin is. And that's what's been done about it. So what do we do personally about our sin? 
Well, in a couple of the Gospels, uh, Jesus, uh, when he hung there on the cross, he yelled out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And now early on in my relationship with the Lord, I thought, what is that all about? Like here he is, the pinnacle, the reason why he came to take on our sin and he's crying out. I'm like, what kind of hope do I have if God turns his back on his son? But what happened was all those things that we ought not to do were laid upon Jesus, causing him to feel the weight of our wrongdoing because there had to be a cost for sin. Sin is so serious that Jesus died to absorb the penalty that belonged to us. Christ took the beating and the punishment that belonged to us so we could have relationship. There's a beautiful and uh, prophetic verse found in Isaiah 53, and it says, he was wounded for the wrong that we did. He was crushed for the evil that we did. The punishment which made us well was given to him, and we are healed because of his wounds. Now, the message version states that by his bruises, we get healed. It's a powerful, beautiful thing. Now, this is something that doesn't just happen. And I think about when we bring love bombs in for the girls, we bring like, we, we go out, we just went out on Thursday. We went out with 50 love bombs. We go into the clubs. We walk back to the dressing rooms. We're like, hey. And we hear, oh my gosh, the Jesus of strippers ladies are here. Blum, 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 blum. They have really high heels. Blum, 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 blum. And um, sometimes I say, oh girl, I was going to wear those. Good thing I didn't. Not really. I'd hurt my back. My, my chiropractor would be really mad at me. Uh, but anyway, we go in with these gifts of love and they're free. It's not like these girls deserve them. Uh, we just put them together. The, the cost has already been paid. And some of the girls run over and they grab them right away. And they're like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. And other girls kind of hold back like, oh my gosh, like, thank you. What does this cost? Is this money? Or sometimes they pull out some ones. And we're like, no, it's free. It's a free gift. And then others will say, yeah, no thanks. Which makes me sad because the price had been paid. And it's kind of a cheap analogy. But the free gift of salvation is offered to us out of love and the price has already been paid. It's not because we deserve it. It's just a free gift because he loves us so much. And here's the thing, when we surrender to Jesus, when we admit that we're a sinner in need of a savior, we receive a beautiful trade into our lives. He gives us eternal life, but he also gives us peace and joy and love right in the middle of our mess. We're in a lot of mess. You know, Jesus said, in this world you'll have trouble, but he also says, take heart, I've overcome the world. And we get to participate in that. We get to overcome our world, our mess, our circumstances because of what Jesus has done for us. And that's really good news. That's called salvation, which is also a churchy church word. But what it is, is when you realize that you're a sinner, and we all are, and that our sin separates us from a holy God, you want to be spared or saved from the trap of sin. You freely want to take that gift of freedom from your sin and receive Christ as your savior. That's what we can personally do. Now, I love how Pastor Tom shared on grace a couple weeks ago. He said, grace reprioritizes everything. When you get a glimpse of the goodness of God, it becomes more important than anything else. So when we stop living for ourselves, when we stop living for our own sinful desires, we're given a new avenue for our life, a new direction, which we can't quite imagine we're in the, when we're in the middle of something deep and dark. But that's what God has for us, a beautiful trade right where you're at. 
First Peter 1, 15 through 16 talks about it. But just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all that you do. Be holy because I am holy. Now, to be holy means to be set aside for divine purposes. The Apostle Paul, uh, who was chief sinner, he actually, and this should be good news to all of us, he actually oversaw the torture and the murder of Christians. And then he was chosen by God to be his vessel, and then he wrote most of the New Testament. Like, is that good news? Certainly is for me. Uh, but he uh, states it quite beautifully in Philippians 3, uh, 7 through 16. We're going to throw the slides up there, and I'm going to read it to you. It's so beautiful. He says, everything I once thought I had going for me is insignificant. I dumped it all in the trash so I could embrace Christ and be embraced by him. I don't want some petty, inferior brand of righteousness that comes from keeping a list of rules when I could get the robust kind that comes from trusting Christ, God's righteousness. I gave up all that inferior stuff so I could know Christ personally, experience his resurrection power, be a partner in his suffering, and go all the way with him to death itself. He says, friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert of all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running. I'm not turning back. So let's keep focused on the goal, those of us who want everything that God has for us. If any of you have something else in mind, you'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. I want this uh, to be a moment that we can just settle in for a second that challenge to be to live a, a life for God because if we learn to behave before we know that we belong it can get us really messed up we can get really twisted there can be a misconception with this word sin that we can be loved by God better or worse because of our behavior but as mentioned it's all about what Jesus did it's not about our behavior religion says you behave then you believe, and then you will belong. First, you have to think right, act right, talk right, and then you will fit in. But the gospel, which is the good news, says quite the opposite. It says, oh, you belong here. That's why I welcomed each and every one of you as we came in today and as we began, because you belong here. There is a place for you here. You'll come to believe, and the behavior will come. But right now, just know that you belong. Jesus covers our sins, and we can't earn it. And the same Jesus that delivers us from those things that we ought not to do, he's the one that will help us to walk out of them. Your righteous behavior is not what gets you to heaven. It's all about Jesus and receiving what he has done for you. Their sins cause, their sins affect, and then their sins remedy. And it's up to us personally. You know, uh, God talks about giving us free will. We're not marionette puppets. Sometimes I wish, you know, I could be like, God, please, you know, can you do some of this? You know, I could, I could use some help in my life. But true love wouldn't be there without free will. We get to choose the free gift that he's given to us to redeem our lives. I love this. You're not disqualified because of your sin. Your sin qualifies you for a savior. Thank God. Thank God. So moving on to our final point, how do I love other sinners like Jesus does? How do we let this love remedy become a verb in our lives? How do we love others so well that heart change would even be an option for other sinners that we encounter? See, the thing about Jesus is he remained righteous. He never lowered his standard of righteousness. 
but he loved the sinners that he encountered. That's why I love, honestly, today that it's Pastor Jeremiah's last day. He, I have seen him love others so so well, whether he's known them well or whether they've been a stranger, just like Jesus. Now, if you read through the gospel, you can see that Jesus didn't and he doesn't respond to sin by exposing it and shaming people. He treated sinners with grace. We deserve separation, as I've mentioned, but instead we see Jesus becoming a friend to sinners. The Bible describes Jesus in the gospel of Matthew and Luke as a friend of sinners. Now, I wanna define friend for you A friend defined as a person attached to another by feelings of affection or personal regard, a supporter. Where are my notes? How do you define friend? Help me out here. A person who's on good good terms with another, a person who is not hostile. Now I wanna read that to you as if I was describing Jesus as your friend. Jesus is a person attached to you by feelings of affection. Jesus is your supporter. Jesus is on good terms with you, and he's not hostile. So why does Jesus respond to sinners like that? I believe the answer is found in Romans 2, chapter, or chapter 2, verse 4, and it says, it's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. When we know that we're loved with such a deep and a special love like that, we want to respond to him with our lives. Now, in our human state, we can get this twisted, Again, when it comes to loving other sinners. And what terrifies me, to be honest with you, is getting so squeaky cleaned up that I forget the power of true love. Here's the thing. Jesus saw the sinner, Jesus called the sinner, and Jesus forgave the sinner. (laughs) Amen. Jesus befriended sinful people, and the Pharisees, who were the religious leaders of the day, they couldn't handle it. They were experts in Jewish law. Um, They had hundreds of man-made rules trying to keep the commandments. They had rules from washing their hands to the way they tied loads on camels. And they um, they they were so intense upon behavior that they forgot that it was about a relationship. They were really good at doing one thing and it was pointing out sinners. Condemning sinners was part of their daily routine. They made careers out of ridiculing broken souls. They were zealous for the law, but they didn't understand the love of God. Now for us as believers, rather than rejecting people out of a false sense of superiority, rather than judging and condemning those whose lives don't measure up to our standard of holiness, we need to remember that we are still desperately in need of God's grace just as any other sinner that we encounter. Unfortunately, many of us have this inner Pharisee that's trying to get out, right? It's, no, it's like no sooner have you quit a bad habit that it's trying to peek out and trying to point it out and everybody else, right? Um, I did that with smoking. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Meanwhile, two weeks ago, I was like, shh. I mean, not oh go, but you know, when that, when that went down. Uh, um, so we have to be very careful to remember uh, that we're all on a journey and God shows up in the journey and allows us the journey so that we grow closer to him. God gives us a journey, not so that once you, be, once you get saved and you get cleaned up, you can go out and point out everybody else's sin. No, God allows us the journey so we can encounter him. We don't wanna get in the way of what Holy Spirit is doing in somebody else's life. Luke 6, 37 says this, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. 
Forgive and you will be forgiven. I don't want you to just take my word for it. Let's just take a peek at Jesus in action. Jesus sees the sinner. Now this is found in Luke chapter 19. And we're going to look at a guy named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. And tax collectors were looked down upon. They were outcasts. And there are a few reasons why tax collectors were looked down upon. First of all, nobody likes to pay money to the government. But especially when it's an oppressive regime like the Roman Empire. Many of the tax collectors were Jews who worked for the despised Romans, which would make them traitors to their own people. They were also cheats because they would up the ante and they would line their own pockets with their friends' cash. So here it is. Jesus is walking into Jericho, and it says there was a large crowd around him. Now, I think of the largest crowd I've ever been in, and it was when I was in New York City. We went to go see the tree lighting, and it was like people were pushing all around. I felt like if I picked up my feet, I would have been like... And, uh, but um, nobody cared about me. We were looking for the tree. And I think about Jesus, a crowd. Anywhere he went, everybody wanted a piece of Jesus, right? So everybody's all around Jesus. And here is Zacchaeus. He's a little guy. So he's trying to jump above the crowd. Can't quite make it. So he runs to a tree and jumps up in the tree, and he's looking for Jesus. Now here Jesus is with people all around him. Everybody wants a piece. And Jesus' eyes rise up to see Zacchaeus, the sinner, the tax collector, up in the tree. And I want to read this to you. He says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. I must stay at your house today. And people around him were like, huh? He has gone in the, to be the guest of a man who is a sinner? And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore a fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today's salvation has come to this house, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Yeah. Zacchaeus, this sinner, said yes to Jesus. He encountered grace, and his life was changed. Jesus sees the sinner. And then Jesus calls the sinner. Jesus was walking past a tax collector's booth, and there was a tax collector named Levi doing the tax collector thing right there in the booth. Jesus walks by, and he says, hey, Levi, follow me and be my disciple. Levi's like, dang, follows him. Can I say dang? I just did. All right, um, so the word of God says, later, Levi invited Jesus and his other disciples to be at his home as dinner guests, along with many other tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind amongst Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of the religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? You know, whenever I I hear um, scar from... uh, the Lion King, whenever I hear the Pharisee's voice, that's what I hear. Oh, I thought that would go a little, a little better than that. All right, so why does he eat with such scum? And then when Jesus heard this, he said to them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come to call not those who think that they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. Yes, Jesus calls the sinner right where they're at. Doesn't wait for a cleaned up version, thank God. And then Jesus forgives the sinner. And this story is about a sinful woman who was forgiven. She was a harlot who had heard Christ's teachings, and then she was changed. And it's found in Luke chapter 7, and I want to read this to you verbatim because it's beautiful. One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Now behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at a table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster flask of ointment. Now this is wild because this woman who was a sinner went into a religious man's home, 
totally would be uncalled for in those days, and went up to Jesus. Standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the head of her, hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when a Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of woman who is touching him, for she is a sinner." Check this out. This would be so scary if you were the guy that said this. Jesus answered him saying, Simon, I have something to say to you. It's like, gug. And then Simon says, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One of them owed 500 denarii and the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled both debts. Now whom will love him more? Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for who you canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. And then turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and she has wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the moment I came in, she ceased, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but he who is forgiven little loves little. And then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Jesus forgives the sinner. Yeah. Now these sinners are equivalent to today's pimps, prostitutes, and crackheads. In that culture, to eat with someone was to identify with them. Jesus associated with people who were shunned by upstanding Jews and religious leaders. No self-respecting person would risk befriending them for fear of being found guilty by association. I remember when I first went out in the clubs, I, I knew that God just wanted me to expose his love. I didn't know what else he was going to do. I mean, that's basically life anyway. Just expose God's love and let him deal with the rest. But I was, I don't know how Facebook works sometimes, but it was like letting people know that I was in strip clubs in Syracuse. And I started getting messages from people like, I think your Facebook is jacked up. It shows that you're in strip clubs in Syracuse. And I was like, I am. Um, <laughs> Anyways, back to the notes. Uh, everyone agreed that Jesus was a good man. Making friends with bad people just didn't make sense. But check this out. I love this quote. Jesus didn't care about the scandal. He cared about the scandalous. Jesus liked spending time with sinners. He was God. He was perfect. And he spent much of his three and a half years of ministry hanging out with bad people. He talked with them, he ate with them, he cried with them, and he served them. And people were not a charity project to Jesus. He cared about them. And he offered unconditional hope and compassion. Here's another good one. When we make ourselves the hall monitor of other people's behavior, we risk having approval becoming more important than Jesus' love. Dang. As we grow in righteousness, we have to ask ourselves regularly, is my Pharisee showing? In other words, am I being judgy or am I being lovey? Matthew Henry commentates and he says, we ought to be very candid in our censures of others because we need grains of allowance ourselves. Exercise toward others that charity which thinks no evil, which bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things. And then others will exercise that charity towards you. God will not judge and condemn you, and men will not. They that are merciful to others' names shall find others merciful to theirs. So my friends, we have 
control over us and our responsibilities to our decisions and our actions. I want to challenge each and every one of us to choose love in regard to others, especially other sinners. We all need God's grace. Let's err on the side of love every time. Let's choose to be a friend to sinners just like Jesus does. Because love wins every time. In close, I'd like to uh, wrap up with a hymn. Uh, I'm doing a study right now on some classic hymns. I have to admit to you, like, please don't be mad at me. I've never really liked hymns. I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. I already told you that. But I, um, what I've realized, you know, through the years and in listening to the, to the hymns is that it's just been the same all through the ages. Sin trips us up. We encounter God's love. And then it changes everything. All right? Um, so there's this woman named Charlotte Elliott, and it was in the early 1800s. And she suffered a debilitating disease, and it left her disabled. And she was ticked. She was really upset. She was angry. She was furious. And she just couldn't handle life. And there was a local minister, and he came to, to see her and to visit. And he said to her, um, you know, tell me what's going on. And she ranted and she raved. And when she was done, he said to her, you're tired of yourself, aren't you? You're holding on to your hate and your anger because you have nothing else in the world to cling to. Charlotte looked at him and she said, what is the cure for this consuming bitterness. And the minister said to her, the faith you are trying to despise. And that's the thing for some of us in this space and for some of us online, the very thing, the very remedy that you need is the thing that you've been pushing away. Now in that moment, Charlotte gave her heart to Christ. And then she came to really love the scripture found in Romans 5, 8, which tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it was out of that scripture and out of her encounter with God that the hymn, Just As I Am, was birthed. And I've asked Emily and Luke to come up to lead us in that hymn today. The words will be projected. Please sing along.
sinner yeah you are a sinner and sin separates you from a holy God your sin brings about death you can do something about your sin you can surrender to the one who paid the penalty for your sin and find a life of freedom and love other sinners well not just the cleaned up ones love the ones who need a doctor let's bow our heads would we Let's bow our heads and close our eyes super tight. I'm gonna to admit to you that I like to peek during prayer sometimes, so please don't. Don't pull an Annie. I'm gonna pray for two kinds of people. And the first ones I wanna pray for are the Christians who are sinners themselves and have opportunity to love other sinners on the regular, but you have a hard time. You have a hard time extending grace and have a hard time extending love because you are afraid that perhaps loving them is gonna somehow condone their sinful, sinful behavior. I mean, sinners sin. It's time to start loving well. And without peeking and giving the person next to you uh, their own respect to have an encounter with God, if that's you and you're having a hard time loving people well, would you lift your hand with me? My hand is lifted. I have a hard time sometimes. Yes, yes, hands all over this place. God, I wanna thank you for each and every one here who is willing to admit, yeah, it's hard for me sometimes. And Father, I pray that you would give us your heart of love, your heart that sees the sinner, that calls the sinner, that loves and forgives the sinner. Let us operate in love on the daily, God. Would you give us strength? And then with our eyes still closed and our heads still bowed, I want to pray for those sinners that are here with us today who have not yet turned to the faith that they are trying to despise, the very thing that can spare them and give them a life of hope and of freedom and of peace and of joy. And if you are here today and you have been pushing off for long enough and you wanna say enough is enough, let this be the day that I come and I encounter the living God. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you, would you lift your hand this morning? If you're online, go ahead and push that button. I see you, I see you. I see you, I see you. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I don't want this moment to go with my right, your left, that bank of seats moving on through the sanctuary. If you would like this day to be a day of reckoning between you and your God, would you just lift your hand through the middle banks of seats? Yes, I see that hand. Thank you, thank you. Through the middle sections, thank you. And over to the left, thank you, I see you, thank you. 
Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for each and every one who has said to you today, yes, this is a day of reckoning. God, I thank you that now begins a life of freedom. It's not easy. Jesus, you told us it wouldn't be, but I thank you that there's power and love and hope that's found in a life surrendered to you. Thank you, God. I'd like each and every one of us to be able to wrap up in the sinner's prayer. I'm not gonna embarrass or shame anyone by pointing anybody out, but if we could all pray this prayer together, I'm gonna start, you guys can follow. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me right where I'm at. I believe you died for me. I want to follow you. I invite you to be the Lord of my life. Help me to follow you every day I want to leave my old life of sin behind and heal my broken relationship with God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Word of Life. Thank you, Word of Life. And if you've received Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today, I just want to encourage you with a few things that Pastor Tom always says. Tell somebody about it. Get into the Word. If you don't have a Word, uh, if you don't have a Bible, get one from the Info Center. And then come back next week. We'd love to see you. Hosts. Want to take a next step, learn more about Word of Life, or have someone pray for you? Visit us online for all of that and more. You can find us at wordoflifeag.org. That's wordoflifeag.org.